because I'll take over if you let me. No, that's fine. Actually, I get Agnes because I got to spend a minute here trying to get some of these images to put in the background. So um, why don't you, Agnieszka, just, that would be great if you do a little intro, kind of catch us up to where we were. I don't know if people might not have seen our last discussion, but, um, you know, there's been a terrible hurricane in Acapulco. If you haven't heard about it, there's a lot of oddities. You know, there was a lot of wind and not a lot of rain. And, you know, people that were, a lot of folks out there aren't um, super wealthy to begin with in some of those areas, getting hit really hard, loss of water, loss of power, loss of food. And we had just all these volunteer people joining together, um, Jeff Berwick, and then all these freedom-related people, Agnieszka, her boyfriend, Erwin, and Glenn have been working together, just kind of like showing how anarchy really works when people put their energy together because of their love and care for a community and just going out there and helping without any um, necessarily a structure of government, you know, just goodwill and good energy and good people. So. Um, Agnieszka, why don't you introduce us a little bit to um, what's what, what's all going on, and then we'll let Glenn and um, Irwin kind of start providing some details, and I'll see if I can bring up some images. Sure. So we have been, my partner Irwin has been attending Anarcapulco every year for the last 10 years, and um, we have deep ties in the freedom community, um, and we basically know everybody, but also not only that, but Erwin actually grew up in Bonfield, which is the community where Anarcapulco takes place every year. So at the time the hurricane hit, as all Mexicans, we didn't take it seriously at all. We were just like, oh yeah, another hurricane, not a big deal. But by the next morning, we received a couple of messages from our loved ones saying that they survived, but we weren't able to get any other information. And as the they turned to 24 and 48 hours and more, and we still couldn't hear, couldn't find out anything about the state of his eight-year-old daughter or his mother. We started really getting worried, and that's when we stepped into the rescue operations and started really actively participating. And we pulled Glenn in through telegram messages and saying, you know, we want to do something about it. Let's go. We're leaving tomorrow, you know. Um, the hurricane hit on Wednesday. And like I said, at first we were thinking it was just like a regular hurricane. We had no idea. There was no information coming out. Once we realized over the weekend what the level of devastation was, we set together a journey, a hero's journey that the gentleman went on as Erwin, as the leader, and Glenn, as his co-pilot. They went, they took their ship, their land ship, the Jeep, on through the mountains of Tierra Caliente, through the heat and into the destroyed city of Acapulco in order to create change for the people that were suffering without aid. Yes, we at one point, one of our, some of our friends arrived there. We found out that there was no aid. There was nobody. There was no government. Nobody was bringing water. Days were passing, day five. Still nobody was bringing water. Our friends were the only ones helping in the community. So... Yeah. So you went on your hero's journey. Yes. Yeah. Um, How I, did it feel? Um, the, today I don't feel well because I got a bad news for my mom. She told me my brother is still in the base with four people more, you know, we can find him. I lost my brother and four people together. And 
I don't feel well today. I can say, yeah, I feel well because my brother is still in the ocean. Because he was a captain of the boat and the yeah. four people were his subordinates who decided to stay with the boat rather than seek shelter on shore. And some of the owners of the boats told people to stay on boats and not go on shore during the hurricane to take care of boats. So they should be back by now. Like there shouldn't still be people unaccounted for, right? No, it's inside in the ocean. But the government, they don't want to take all the, the jet from the ocean. Because they don't want to see the evidence, how many people is inside. This is 100 people in the bay. Even the biggest boat in Acapulco, the Acare, which is over 300 people capacity, is at the bottom of the ocean with its captain. And wow. six, six so there's definitely um, a cover-up as terms of the actual damage, do you think, or just not being reported? Oh, they reported the governor. They don't want to say nothing. They want to keep it quiet. You know, mm -hmm. they don't care how many people is in the ocean. Yeah, it's a lot of people disappear. So many people. We don't know. And how I, I suspect part of it is that, you know, these, these yachts, these boats are maybe at the bottom of the bay. Um, and, you know, I, I didn't see any kind of, of um, I don't know if I would call it a rescue operation or you know any kind of like uh, trying to recover any of those boats um, in the bay um, and and maybe that's you know I mean you know the people you know you if you're down there you're down there and maybe we'll see in a couple of months um, if they divert resources to actually trying to find you know people that were lost um but that did not appear to be like where resources uh were being focused so now we're dealing with another issue with all these yachts and boats inside the bay because the bay is a source of food for a lot of people in Acapulco there are an, quite a number of fishermen who fish in the bay every day for food and uh the Acapulco Bay is not that large like I could swim across it if I wanted to kind of yeah thing. it's, not, it's not that large and because of all the yachts and all the boats and everything and each one of them having a fuel tank and an engine you know a lot of those fuel tanks have ruptured and now there is like gasoline pooling on top of the water in the bay so that will affect wildlife yeah food all sorts of things, right? Even the fishermen themselves. No, they, yeah, they're gonna affect the, all the bait, all the oil, all the oil, all the petrol. They're gonna affect, you know, all the jet inside. They're gonna destroy the bay, you know. So that's gonna be the fallout for um, coming weeks, months, years of um, you know people not necessarily being able to get the food that they've been traditionally be able to get through fishing or, you know, from the ocean. Right. So you're going to have a lot of pollution and well, sickness. So there's going to be needing help for time to come for people down there is what that amounts to. Right. Yeah. Well, remember that Juan Valdez thing, I think it was, or the BP spill. Yeah. The BP spill where the guy invented this thing that picks up the oil from the top of the ocean Maybe right. we can figure out something like that for the Acapulco Bay because I don't think the people are going to stop eating out of it. 
if there's right oil. it's just they're going to eat stuff that's probably contaminated is going to be the problem yeah yeah big problem man mm. well i did i think let me see if this works here did i manage to see yeah this is a picture of you guys looks like um delivering some food yeah um i don't know is that sound coming through can you hear that yeah no no but you can't hear it oh no i can hear nothing oh okay well at least i got the picture coming through um so where were you guys there oh this is out it's outside to like outside to this like uh the costera like at the bay outside you know so the there, there's a there's like a highway uh that's uh like a, a toll road that goes around acapulco city uh like on the outskirts um uh and we're on on that highway like around like in those outskirts are a lot of poor communities um and so a lot of them they were coming from their communities to the toll road on the side of the toll road gathering there had signs um you know saying hey we need food we need water um and and so that's us stopping at you know some of those groups of people and um you know giving them water we had bought um various times um but uh fresh uh tortillas um be dried beans dried rice uh for cooking um uh must uh uh corn flour you know things you know these are these are like staples for uh you know mexican you know cuisine here you know what people eat this is what this is what people eat and so yeah this is a a a photo oh yeah of the and these are the um, fresh fresh beans, beans uh-huh that we were we were not handing that out on the side of the road we were give, we gave those to um there was a locally organized uh community kitchen in Bonville yeah and you know this is just 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 a local per- woman she makes her her livelihood by making beans for the community and, and selling them and and so what you know i w- i wanted to you know preferably spend our money you know not at the big box stores um uh, that are just going to be taking that money back out of the community but actually you know putting it into the community where it's going to more stay in the community yeah. more contributions yep that that was your mission that's what i told you guys to do <laughs> go buy flour from the local people right yeah that's what we do we buy flour for the local people perfect yeah, yeah. and those people happy because you know the economy grow up so they were able to cook the dry beans in like seawater or something or well this they... is, this is in 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 uh you know around Atoyak right a, a village around Atoyak which was apparently was supposed to be the target of the hurricane but then it moved at you know at the last moment and and hit hit more directly Acapulco so these guys actually got spared much of the the hurricane and, and were not that affected by it um and so they i don't think i don't know that they ever even lost power um she cooks i think 
just with with wood, you know, wood fires. Um, but they they had water and everything in this this part here. Nice. Just only Acapulco and the and the side, Acapulco mm-hmm. City and the side. The like a burning something, you know. We we see everything brown, all the tree brown, like. Like burnt, like somebody dropped a fucking bomb, man. And that doesn't yeah. make because it was just wind. How can it make the trees brown? Well, what I what I think uh, is that uh, the trees were brown because the 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 trunks are brown. And what happened is that the the hurricane came in. And the winds were so strong that it basically ripped off all the green uh, leaves, ripped off most of the leaves of all the trees. And what leaves were left, uh, you know, a lot of the limbs were broken. Um, were and, and so when those when those limbs get broken, you still have, you know, leaves at the end. The, the water's not getting to those leaves. So by the time we didn't get there until it was a week um, Thanks, after... Yeah the hurricane actually hit. So it was a week of intense hot sun, no water, no water. because it wasn't, wasn't raining. Um, you know, these, these trees that have had the leaves ripped off or the branches broken. And so you know, things were, things were really brown. I, I don't like, I mean, for me, I, I don't like to say that it was burnt per se, because there was nothing that was charred. It's not like it was black. There was no charcoal. There was no smoldering. Um, it was, it was just all brown, you know? Um, and I think a lot of that had to do with that, you know, just everything, you know, all the leaves are getting ripped off and it takes, it takes a long time, you know, it takes a while for trees to make leaves again. And, and I don't know, my concern was, I don't know that those trees are going to make leaves again. Um, you know, they're, we're going they're going into the dry season. They're not going to get a lot of water. They've been heavily traumatized by ripping off all their leaves. Um, you know, they may not have enough energy to to produce that. And, you know, it, it may be that, I mean, just, it was incredible. I mean, the hillsides that I imagine were just this lush tropical green uh, that you couldn't even see through now is just like, you know, it's, it's a forest of skeletons. Mm-hmm. Here's that uh, map that you shared with me, Agnieszka. Do you want to, you guys want to talk anything about, you know, since you're on the devastation, um, what kind of observations have you made about where the, where this was affected and where it didn't affect? Um... So that bottom black part or the red, um, the bottom black part that's like diamante oh no that's even lower it's on a diamante but yeah so oh yeah the bottom black park is puerto marquez and the, so there's two bays if you look at there yeah the one on the bottom bahia de puerto marquez and the one on the top bahia de acapulco right so it looks like it made landfall in puerto marquez but zona diamante the princess hotel which was completely destroyed isn't zona diamante so and it like yeah, it's a skeleton of a hotel. And then all the hotels along the the bay were com- pretty much, well, not completely damaged. destroyed. But, but yeah, it, it was really, you know, um, amazing us driving in to Alcapulco and 
but you could see in the distance the hotels, you know, and, and that Zona Diamante and, and those hotels, you could see right through them. You could see this guy on the other side. Yeah. Like, you know, it was just like, it just came and just like, just wiped it out, you know, and just, just left the, the skeleton standing. And basically every piece of glass for miles is shattered, mm -hmm. right? Um, the glass, so it took out, I mean, you know, most what of about the furniture, the jacuzzi, you know, like. Jacuzzi, big jacuzzi, they, they blow up the jacuzzi. Yeah. Oh. Just blowing know. all over the place, huh? The jacuzzi was full of water and it ripped it out of its mooring and threw it up the hill. That's what wow. Like a basura, like a garbage, the pick like a garbage and blow it up, you know. Like, well, yeah. also that giant Chinese ship that was in the bay is now on Roqueta Island, which is like this big rocky thing that's kind of closing the bay on the north side. And I don't have that picture in front of me now, but we looked at it last week that Agnieszki shared where that one hotel, all the glass is broken in the center. And there's actually a car, a little car pushed up in there too, which looks mm -hmm. like the wind blew it there. Um, I don't know if that's the case, but it yeah. sounds like the wind was uh, at incredible, um, yeah. unbelievable speeds, right? I mean, have you? Yeah. So when I was a child in Poland, I was, there was this big storm. It was 140 kilometers an hour. I always remember that. And I was about 10 years old and I was coming home from school. And I remember holding onto a lamppost and my feet lifting off the ground just slightly because the wind was so strong. And I had to like wait for it to die down to run across and hold onto another lamppost kind of thing. That's how I was making it home that day. And those were winds of 140 kilometers an hour. The Acapulco storm was more than 300 kilometers an hour. I think more, right? Oh, so more wow. The thing that made my, lifted my feet off the ground. I know I was 10, but my mom said that if she didn't have groceries, she would have been blown away too that day. So, so like, I don't, I can't even put it in perspective because it's double and with wind, double is more like, like more than double, you know? Yeah. Well, um, I'd like to hear a little bit about Erwin in the beginning, um, last week, two weeks ago, when I first talked to Agnieszka, she was saying you had, um, a young girl, um, a daughter. Yeah, yeah. That had to be sought out, and there was some concern that was she going to be alive, and then you found her and brought her home. I'd like to hear a little bit about that story. Well, I got a hard time because, you know, communication in, in Acapulco is deaf. It's no communication. The only way you can see your family, you have to drive in all the way there. It's the only way. I was, I was feeling really like... Uh, I, I thought I'm never going to see my family again because I hear for everywhere say, oh, Acapulco is, is, uh, is down. Acapulco is, is dead. I said, what? Really? And I said, really? But my family is there. And yeah, I was thinking I'm not going to see my family anymore. I mean, I lost my brother. Okay. My brother is still in the ocean with four people more. But uh, yeah. It's too hard to see my city destroyed, man. But it's not normal, the hurricane. I don't call hurricane, man. Something I else. Don't, I don't think so. It's a hurricane. Right. Something more. Um, the hurricane, they bring water and Wendy, you know. And this. Yeah, you usually be preceded 
by yeah. a hurricane, there's a day to two days of rain and then following a bunch yeah. of rain too. And that didn't happen this time. So it doesn't fit into, and it sounds like the timing and the duration wasn't normal either. No, no, it's, I don't call hurricane. Yeah. Because it's not normal for me to see a lot of people that told me this is like a like fucking big snake and 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 the sky to go down to bring some like a wind something, you know. Hmm. People yeah, have but, that you've talked to have been describing seeing strange things or. Yeah, no normal hurricane like uh, we see in the in the bikini like windy water. Sure. No, this time you see like the lightning is not really like. This different lightning, man. It's mm. not normal lightnings. It's like white lights. It's not lightning. White light, like flashes or something. Yeah, something flash, but white. That's mm. not normal for me because I'm from the coast, and I see where is the real lightning, where is the real uh, fake lightning. What about the forty novels? Yeah, and, and then the next day we give you a ride to somebody. Uh, 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 like a two uh, two ladies, old ladies, and one young guy. One young guy that told me to the next day he see in the sky like a sixteen like a sixteen uh, plane watching a couple sixty aircraft. He's saying, "Oh, hey, we we call aviones plane." Yeah, but you said naves. Naves. Oh, yeah. Something. Mm. Like a UFO, almost like like not. If you were I mean, sure like it was a weird plane or a UFO, not your typical flying Something. plane, right? Mm-hmm. Something different. And a lot of people they see this 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 uh this uh plane in the in the sky. They see they they're not only one person. They see like many many people. They see this this this. Then the next day they see in the sky watching Acapulco. They say that. Hmm. He was there, Glenn. Remember the young guy? Yeah. Said, oh, I yeah. see those. Mm-hmm. So there's so many layers to this scenario. Um, on the layer you're discussing now, um, really hits home with me because here in California, we've had um, every other summer or sometimes every summer, crazy fires that have burned whole cities. And some of them have happened in very suspicious ways. And then, you know, we saw the Maui fire, the whole world's looking at what happened there. And again, there's a lot of people asking questions like, why did this happen? Why did this burn and this not? A lot of unanswered questions. But we know that, number one, there's a such thing as disaster capitalism. There are huge corporations in this world that are fine to make money off of other people's suffering. So that's one aspect. You know, we know that they like the cleanup of these things. And then Mm. there are weapons of mass destruction on this planet that most of us don't really have a full comprehension of what they exist. I've been talking about this for eight to 10 years since my personal studies into chemtrails and weather engineering. Um, I know these things exist, whether they're being employed or not, is hard to prove, but the technology is out there to create uh, weather events, to create earthquakes. And then when you see and hear people on the, on the ground saying, well, I saw these strange lights. I saw this red laser. That's what people a lot were saying in Santa Rosa when we had these fires here in California. Um, like you're saying, these people are describing flashes or some column of something that looks like a snake um, yeah. or weird crafts. You know, it's like um, hopefully the world can start catching up with what's going on here because there is something going on and it's very suspicious. Um, sorry to talk so much. I'll pass it back to you, Erwin. Oh, you okay, man? 
Yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean, um, I got surprised, man. Every time I, I see people that they tell me this is stranger, stranger stuff in the sky, you know, in the sky. They, they come from the sky, man. Like, come from the sky. But it's something I can describe, man. Hmm. Yeah. Irwin's uh, aunt, who'd been in, who's been in Bonville, I think she was saying over 30 years. Um, yeah, she was saying that, you know, she's been through many hurricanes um, and there's not been anything like this one. And, you know, that, that my understanding is that, the, the, you know, they have a, the, the rate, the category rating for the hurricanes and it, it maxes out at five. But she was like, this is like a 10. Yeah, really. There's no normal hurricane. It's something out, you know. Right. Um, well, a normal hurricane go hurricane goes through different cities or different communities. It doesn't like map out one city and like fall down on it. And also the winds went like after the. Sorry, they're going some fireworks here. Um, that's fine. I I don't hear them. It's fun. Okay, good. Um, this hurricane went up the mountains and into Tierra Caliente and stopped a couple hundred kilometers from Morelia. So. That's not like the normal trajectory of the yeah, hurricane. That's not normal. No. Yeah, you're right. What was the most shocking thing that you saw, Glenn, in Acapulco for you? Because you've never been to Acapulco before, right? I mean, yeah, I've never. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I can imagine, I could imagine what, you know, it looked like uh, before the hurricane and to st- just the level of destruction was amazing. Um, you know, it, it coming into, you know, and, and, and thinking that, you know, we're coming in a week later. And by the time we left, there were still large areas of the city that still didn't have electricity, which means a lot of them still didn't have running water. Um, and, and like, you know, that there was no cell service on, you know, through much of, you know, so like, I mean, so for us to communicate when, once we got there, you know, we had to go to certain areas that, that you could kind of tell, cause there was like, people would be like pulled over by the side of the road, congregated. It's like, okay, that's where they're getting internet at. Mm. But, you know, just like, you know, like, you know, some of Irwin's family, you know, they don't have a car. They don't have a way to get to these areas. They would have to walk for, you know, quite a ways to, to just to, just to communicate. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah. They... And, you know, to me, it was like, yeah, I mean, I, I, it, it, rem- it made me think of like a nuclear blast that happened nearby and just like these this wind just, you know, and, and you could also tell like some of it, you know, looking at the, the, I remember looking, saying to Erwin at the, looking at some of the hotels and you could, some of them were more damaged than others. And you could say, okay, you know, it, it looks like you could tell, okay, these guys uh, probably pocketed, you know, the construction guys pocketed some of the money, didn't spend what they were supposed to, or, 
or the, you know, just the hotel builders didn't build it to the specs that they, you know, hmm. should have built it to. Um, but even then, I mean, everything, everything was damaged. I mean, you know, even, even the ones that, you know, some of the hotels look a little bit like they're built like fortresses, but you know, they've got windows taken out. And, yeah. And, and to see like, you know, the, all the billboards, you know, you got these like massive billboard signs with massive poles that they're on, like all, you know, having fallen over on people's houses and, you know, crushing them. Uh, and just the, I, you know, I, I can only imagine what it looked like the, the day after. I mean, you know, by the time we got there, uh, you could see lots of debris piled up on the road, but the, but, you know, the main roads were, were passable. Um, but I imagine that, it, you know, none of the roads were passable uh, the day after. Walmart, the toll restaurant. That's that restaurant that you like. Yeah. When you were down there, were you seeing a lot of other cars out there moving around on this last trip? I mean, it sounds like at first, probably not so much, but were there people um, kind of getting back to business? Well, when you say back to business, uh, I mean, if you mean like to a business that, you know, that they're, they're running or something, uh, by the time we left, there were some, some food places um, that were opening up, but most of it's like, it's so destroyed. So, you know, they would not be able, you know, and, and you, and then even, even if you cleared out the debris, like you got to bring in materials to rebuild to, you know, um, so yeah, no, I mean, I, I, you know, yeah, people were, you know, clearing debris and, um, you know, some of the debris piles I was noticing in Bonville were, I didn't actually see him taking it, but I noticed that they were disappearing. So somebody, you know, someone with a big dump truck must have, you know, been getting it. Um, but it's, I mean, I imagine it's not going to be, the cleanup is, you know, even, you know, the, uh, the end of the, until the end of the month or more, like it's, it's going to take a long time to clean up. And then you got the rebuild and, uh, and some of them may, may never, the, you know, some of these buildings. It's not going to open again anymore. Yeah. 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 And, you know, Acapulco is heavily um, fund, um, funded. I mean, a lot of people make their money from the tourist industry, correct? So yeah. this is going to have a devastating effect because yeah. where's all that money that was coming in going to come from to provide for people who are selling things and working at yeah. these hotels? I mean, that's Exactly. Thousands and thousands of people, right? Yeah, yeah. Imagine the wait staff, the janitors, the you know, it just yeah. really can add up. Everybody had to work, right? Yeah, the economy because it's down, man. The economy. Who's gonna hiring people to go to war or whatever? Because no pesos, bancos. The bank is broke. No bancos. You got a lot of problem to get some pesos. No communication. And like they're not in service, uh, you know, the ATM, even even the ATMs that in areas that were around Acapulco that were not affected. I was hearing like people say that there's no money in those ATMs. Mm. Um, and so, you know, you think about it like you're someone who's who's been living there, you know, and, and you've got your money 
you, you put your money because you think it's a safe place to put it in a bank. So you put it in a bank and, and then all of a sudden, you know, this happens and you don't have necessarily a lot of cash on hand to, to go and buy stuff and pay for things. Um, they, they, they had just opened the, the Chedrawi, um, before we left, which is a, a large supermarket chain. Um, so it looks like they are starting to get in, you know, like basic, you know, food items and stuff, you know, grocery store. But if you don't have the money, you don't can't get access to your funds, you know. Yeah, so, well, all that comes down to is there's a lot of people in a very tight spot. And, you know, for listeners, this could be any of us. Like I said, we experienced pretty similar um, things happening right here in Northern California, you know. Um, obviously, there's some areas down there that are um, more dependent, like I said, on tourism and probably people that were living in somewhat poorer conditions to begin with. So it's going to be even worse and more people affected. So um, let's talk some more about what we can do to help, what you guys are doing to help, and um, what people can do who might be listening to um, aid in your efforts. They can come down to Anarcapulco. Because Jeff Berwick just announced yesterday the Narcapulco, the, this year's Narcapulco is called Reborn, and he has decided to keep it in Acapulco. He, we're going to work to rebuild the Bonfield area and still have the conference there anyway. Oh, that's exciting. He is there. So, um, yeah, Jeff Berwick's been doing a great job of yeah. um, raising money and coordinating, right? Yeah, good job. That's good. It's good to hear. To see people like this guy, you know, he's working hard in Acapulco. He gives you a lot of power to the community, you know. So right now where um, the stuff you guys brought down, I'm imagine on your trip you had to stop before you got in there to pick up supplies, like we saw the picture of you at the grocer. Um, uh, where are funds being funneled to buy those? Um, where are the funds coming from to buy the food? and things that you've brought in to help so Agnieszka <laughs> it was from from our friends that some some of our friends sent down some money and also uh from Jeff Berwick's uh fund as well we got a little bit of money from them uh so it's just like a you know everybody coming together and giving what each person can afford and coming together to fund the the trip and the operation yeah and and you know and I I used you know over six thousand pesos oh, yeah my personal yeah. money yeah it needs six thousand pesos yeah. yeah so you guys are really just contributing on your own and yeah. your time and your energy and so that that really adds up um and I, I know one thing that anybody can help with is just talking about this situation i don't think people have really concept you know for how deep and wide this problem is and like we've said it's going to last a long time so um, I think more people are aware. So if you're listening, you know, just sharing this episode with other people is big, but I want to try to get that website up here um, that people, if they want to donate, should we send them to Jeff Berwick's again? Agnieszka? Hurricaneotisrecovery.com. Hurricaneotisrecovery.com. Let me bring up a screenshot of that. And then um, maybe you guys could just 
keep going describing a little bit more of your experience with the people and what they were needing and that type of thing and some of your experiences with them. Now, a lot of people, they don't have no house to live, man. It's not a house. All these houses, it blow. The wind, they take away. You know, a lot of people, they don't, they're still sleeping in the, you know, outside with no, with nothing on, you know, like. With the mosquitoes? Yeah. I mean, a lot of people, they're not going to have a Christmas, man, in Acapulco City. Mm. Christmas for those people is snow. It's not, it's not calm. It's, it, yeah, fun. you know, in Acapulco, you know, even, you know, now, um, you know, it, it gets really hot. And especially, it can get really hot inside. And, you know, you don't have electricity. You know, a lot of people have fans, but you don't have electricity. The fans don't work. And then a lot of people, you know, now, you know, people are starting to get electricity back. A lot of people need fans too because the hurricane took out the fan, water damage, um, you know, whatever. Um, I know some of Irwin's family, uh, some of their fans got were inoperable, um, and it's not pleasant <laughs> sleeping in Acapulco without at least a fan. No, they torture you. They yeah. just speaking from experience. <laughs> it's hot down there right now oh yeah yeah because we're starting to get cooler weather up here but um what's like the temperatures range like down there right now and, and i imagine humidity too right 30 yeah humidity celsius. Yeah. 30 celsius yeah so that's what 80 something fahrenheit yeah but you know but you know like during during the day um and it's uh you know, if, you, if you're inside, some of these houses, you know, they're made out of concrete, so it, it can be like an oven. There, there are real material needs for people, and and I, you know, I was thinking about this while I was down there. I was like, you know, I generally don't feel good about um, giving money to people, but, you know, I was thinking about it, you know, and the stuff that we were doing, we were giving food to people. But the thing is that people are going to need more than food, you know, uh, and they're going to need and, and and what they're going to need is going to be different for different people. So it's not like you can just buy a bunch of roofing and hand it, you know, and then just start handing it out because not everybody needs roofing. Not everybody needs this kind of thing. You know? And so, you know, I, I think um, for some of the people that are really in need, like uh, that don't have the funds um the i think it would be good to have some kind of direct cash assistance so that they can then decide like what is it that they can best spend the money on for the for the recovery for themselves jeff jeff Berg's team has this sos program where somebody can say okay i need insulin and i need metformin or whatever i guess it's either one or the other but uh like I need a specific medication or a specific need, or I'm sure now that the power is back, they can say I need a fan or whatever. And for those people who really need it, who have little children, who have elderly, they will provide whatever they need, I'm sure. Like if there's an SOS request for a specific item, they can bring it to the person, even in the poor neighborhoods where the taxis don't normally go because they've been servicing all those neighborhoods. And maybe and maybe you could help help 
me understand too, like uh, how would it, the people in the poor areas, how are they getting that information to Jeff or how is, how is, you know, so because there, you guys were just one, I know you guys had no contact with anybody else, but I was, I was at the helm. (laughs) And so there were 10 different trucks, right. And some of the trucks go in different areas. Right. And as the truck comes into a certain neighborhood and they deliver the medicine that was ordered yesterday, they receive a new SOS list from the people. So mm-hmm. if some, like, you know, our trucks are becoming recognizable in certain areas. And so as people, right, like I'm sure you guys were wherever you were working, right? People saw you the second time, they were like, oh my God, I need da, 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 right? Mm-hmm. And so that's what's happening. Or like, we're also working with an AV, assisting people who need urgent medical care to be transported to the hospital or medicine or whatever whatever they need right it's not limited to food or water from from just jeff's team those sos requests i mean there's been a lot of diapers and formula and stuff like that requests as well because you know yeah so um looks like twitter might be a way too for people you know who are watching this if they want to kind of keep up and connect you could either follow um at Jeff Berwick or Berwick Jeff at Berwick Jeff or at Hurricane Otis. Um, no, it's called at Hurricane Otis R E. So um, you know, those might be some ways to kind of check in and follow follow the links, see what's going on. And he's got some good images. He's trying to keep people updated on where money's going on on that website, um, hurricaneotisrecovery.com. Yeah, they're very strict with the group about like all the receipts having to be documented and stuff. And there is a CFO working with them specifically for this particular project. I really appreciate that you guys brought, you know, some of the images and videos I was able to share. I think what I'll do is put them all into one little uh, video reel. And that way we could share that with or separately if we want to. Um, just to spread awareness is really what I feel like I can do from my end is um, let people know, hey, this is going on. Um, I hate to say it, but coming to a town or city near you, this seems to be a trend, these disasters. And maybe it is um, technology. Maybe it is a changing world. And um, maybe it is irresponsible governance of communities like um, things aren't built right and that type of thing. It's hard to say, but we do. Like we said, we see so many suspicious elements in these things. I think it's like that even more puts the responsibility on everyone to be aware of what's going on, to try to help others because, you know, it might be you next or your family, you know, and these are real people. And, uh, you know, like we're pointing out, there's a lot of implications to um, all the problems that are going to develop. How about like water being, you know, I guess we talked, touched on that a little bit with the ocean. But how about like were people getting fresh water? How or was it all bottled water coming in? Yeah, I, would, I mean by fresh water to I drink, guess, to wash your clothes. Sure, sure, to, sure. I mean yeah. that was the bottled water that's coming in. I mean I, I would call that like you know, you know, sanitary water. I mean people, it was potable water. It was barely. Um, <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, people. There was. You know, some 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 areas have uh, water pumps that they're pumping water out of the ground. But when you have no electricity or you have no gas, gasoline, that's you know, if there are gasoline pumps, um, you know, obviously that that doesn't work. Um, 
now you know those are starting to now more be working now that those those come online the question is yeah how um some not all of that necessarily is drinkable um but so yeah that, that, which is why we, you know people are still you know when we when we were leaving you know people are still asking for um for water you know drinking water they want water and tortilla they, they, mm -hmm. the, the more demanding they're asking for tortillas and water Just basics you know it seems to me that some of these if the right people were to put some pressure some of these big corporations and companies should be pressured to help you know people that are doing big business pepsico pepsico you know exxon oil and mm -hmm. they're probably the same bigger conglomerates that pay for these disasters in my mind but you know, it feels like there should be some pressure put on these big companies that make money um, to help when these things happen. You know, like where's PepsiCo? Where's Coca-Cola? Yeah. Where's, you know, where's all these big Walmart. names? They should be you out there what? handing water out, you know? They're nowhere to be found. But you know who is? All the little restaurants, like our favorite restaurant, Chile and Frijol. It's a private mm -hmm. restaurant, not a, not a chain. And they're yeah. giving out free food every yeah. single day right? They're opening the storehouse, which is undamaged, and they're cooking and they're giving out free food all the time. So, um, like, there are pe private people like us who are doing all they can, opening soup kitchens. Like, Jeff has a soup kitchen out of his house that delivers to different, house. Uh, different neighborhoods. Um, I wanted to say one more thing. And I, I, I gotta say, you know, one of the things that also struck me was well first of all you know when we when we first came into Acapulco um it was actually in the dark uh and there's there was no lighting you know and and we had heard reports of you know maybe people um you know uh stopping cars and stealing stuff out of the cars and stuff and so there was a little bit of security concern um None of that ever materialized. Nothing, I you know, never actually really felt in danger or saw anything that, you know. And so one of the things that struck me was, was like, you know, people tend to think of like, because it was sort of like scenes that were kind of like apocalyptic, right? I mean, like everything is is down. And yeah. like Mad Max looking, right? Yeah, right. But... This is not like everybody's at their throat, everybody else's throat, like, you know, trying to get, you know, theirs or whatever, you know, you know like, it was a lot of like, people coming together. Um, you know, I, I didn't see, you know, to me, it, to me, it, you know, it, it, it was, you know, kind of inspirational, really. You know, that's the weird thing, that every time there's a disaster, all that Hollywood wants to tell us is that people are going to be at their throats, they're going to go into camps, they're going to hide and shoot from around the corners. But in reality, every disaster I've ever experienced, like huge disasters, right? None of that ever came true. And it's interesting that there was so much propaganda, because when we got to the bottom of it, even Erwin's aunt heard it on the media about people robbing people right yeah. she didn't hear it from a person who was robbed so the media was putting out the story about oh yeah if you go to Acapulco with supplies you're going to get robbed and our drivers really had a fear of that but because they're like freedom fighters they didn't care so right. out of the 10 trucks 
and two or three motorcycles. That didn't happen to anyone, no matter how bad the neighborhood they went into. They went into places where taxis don't go and nothing bad happened to anyone. Yeah. I, I've had the same experience, Agnieszka, up here when we had our big fire. They had all kinds of propaganda on the police channel and the news and the messages they put out about looting. And to the point where they w they would have armed police or even in my neighborhoods, they brought in the National mm -hmm. Guard and they were blocking off the streets, even if you wanted to come back to your own neighborhood, saying it wasn't safe. And I don't think any of that really ever amounted to, you know, maybe one or two people went around and stole some stuff. And who knows if they were even stooges or not, or real people. But, and, and, and then when I went to go volunteer after one of our big fires, um, you had the uh, Red Cross out there basically um, wasting the time of anybody who volunteered your time. Um, luckily, I checked in with the locals and it was like you were saying, it was the locals who were helping. And I walked right by the Red Cross and went to the locals and I was helping give people food. So um, I would recommend to people um, avoid any authorities. And if you want to help people, either go there directly. Um, I, I trust what Berwick's doing. Um, I would yeah. contribute there or contact um, somebody that you actually know. And don't just give money. Don't give money to The Rock. <laughs> don't give money to Oprah. Don't give money to some fund that's created by some grocery store. Make sure that you're giving, if you're giving money or food, that you're giving it somewhere where you know it's going directly to people because there's a lot of uh, hoodlums in the world. And yeah. It's not the local people. It's not the regular people. It's the corporate world that takes advantage of these things. Corporation. Well, even knowing that Chile Maizi Free Hall, which is a restaurant downtown Acapulco, gives food for free every day, just contacting them on Facebook directly and saying, hey, where can I send you money? That would be the most direct and the least middleman way of doing it, right? But I think that Jeff Berwick is doing a great job yeah, managing, the, yeah. managing yeah. the Awesome. So that's, um, you know, we've had a great hour chalk. If you guys have any, any other um, things you want to bring up before we finish up, I'd love to hear. And um, End Evil Podcast, I will keep, you know, an open channel for you guys, you know, in the coming weeks, months. If there's more information that needs to get out, we'll meet again, and I'll give you guys some more space. Um, as much as necessary because I think this is an important topic and you're my friends and I care about people, you know? So yeah, any, um, go ahead. Any last thoughts, conclusions, feel free. There was one more thing I wanted to mention earlier about trees when we were talking about trees. So in Acapulco trees grow really, really fast because it's a tropical country. And this is something that heartens me about the trees, right? Because Heron's aunt has this tree right in front of her door and she cuts it down to like the stump once a year, no, twice a year, once a year, once a year, but she cuts the whole crown of the tree completely. And there's just like a little stump and that tree grows the whole crown every year. So and also the other thing I know about plants is that sometimes when the plants are stressed, they actually go twice as hard to live, twice as hard to survive, right? All those pine trees in the rock and stuff like that. So I think I have hoped that by January, you know, some of the trees will be back and they will find water somehow. And hopefully that's symbolic of the spirit of the people too. I think that's also true even in war-torn areas in the world. They've said, oh, this area will never, um, you know, bounce back, but people try harder when they get beat up. And, um, you know, a lot of countries have bounced back after major warfare and major disasters much faster than expected. 
So, um, you know, hopefully Acapulco blossoms like the tree you're describing. No, it wasn't quite 300 years, but they lead it, they did it Poland for a long time off the map and, you know, freedom fighters won't give up. And I, I want to, I guess a, a final thing to say is, uh, you know, thank you, Chris, for bringing attention to, to what's going on in Acapulco. You know, one of the reasons that I wanted to go uh, in the first place too, was to see with my own eyes what was going on because the the week in the week span um, before I left from when the hurricane happened like I there was not a lot uh, of coverage I mean not that I was paying attention to the news the whole time but I was just really astounded that I just was not hearing a lot and it's like people didn't even realize here in Mexico here in Morelia didn't actually realized what had happened in Acapulco and how bad it was. Um, and so anyway, I just, I want to say thank you for, you know, helping to spread the awareness of this. Absolutely. Thanks Glenn for coming and um, sharing your experience. And more than that, thanks for the hard work you're putting in to volunteer and put your own money and time into helping strangers. You know, that sets an example for the whole world of um, what I'm talking about, ending evil. It begins with each of us taking responsibility for problems. And I see this as, you know, probably partially some evil that brought this about. Um, you know, I think these corporate and um, deep state and, um, you know, overwhelming, powerful, tyrannical people in the world will do anything for money and power. And this may well be within the realm of what they do. But nevertheless... We can still be good, and what you're doing is good, and that's just putting yourself out there and trying to help regardless of what caused it. And I really appreciate that, and um, that's something I want to support. Erwin Agnieszka, did you have any um, last words or things you wanted to um, remind people of? Uh, I want to say thank you to Glenn because he's the only person to stand up and come with me to Acapulco from Morelia, Michoacan. Yeah. Thanks, Glenn. Too. Oh, yeah, but, but, but <laughs> yeah, but I mean, he come with me together, you know, those guys, they go first, and me and him, we, we show up, like, on the third day. Yeah, and thanks for giving me the opportunity to help, you know, <laughs> like, um, I had been wanting to, to do something, you know, if there's something I could do, and you, it was great timing, you know, so it really worked out. Yeah. Thanks. And that's inspirational, you know, folks, when the time comes and the doors open, get out there and help people. There's nothing that makes you feel better about a human being than being of service to other people. And, and that makes you feel like you're valuable and you're doing something for a good reason. And this is a real human, man. A real human do this. When you have a heart like this guy, like man, like you too, Chris, thank you guys to the podcast. Yeah. Very much, man. You know, and it does bring joy when you do things for others. So um, that's something I, I like to share with folks, too. Absolutely. Look at this. Joe Macario. 
<laughs> it's, uh, so this is Macario. He does uh, all of our driving for Anarchapulco, and uh, this is his house right here. Yeah, as you can see, this piece here blew off, but so did those up there, and they just put them back up and kind of nailed them down. So they're not really stopping the water; they're just uh, some shade. So we're gonna have a look at uh, some of what we got and see what we can do here. Amigo, Muñeca. Mi nombre es Ricardo, yo soy presidente del área de la frontera. La frontera está conformada por 14 colonias, todas aledañas. Eh, en lo personal quería agradecerles a ustedes porque entraron hasta acá, donde no entraron los soldados, no entró la marina, no entró nadie. Es la segunda, se puede decir, la segunda partida de personas que han venido. Temprano vino, vinieron por parte del Estado, sí, pero no está, no nadie sabía la necesidad de esta área y vinieron, no vinieron totalmente preparados, nos trajeron comida, pero las despensas desgraciadamente las tuvieron que partir porque no alcanzaban, es mucha la gente y ahorita me encuentro que vienen ustedes a darnos este apoyo, a, ahora sí que a nombre de todos los ciudadanos del área frontera, porque como repito, somos muchas las colonias de este lado, queremos darles las gracias porque se hayan tomado la molestia de entrar hasta el fondo, cosa que no ha hecho nadie más, muchas gracias. Gracias señor.
Okay, we're buying 30 liters of uh, beans. 